Welcome to the Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? We'll be joined by RotoWire's Jerry Donabedian. What a piece of that championship! Put it in here. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Let's get it started with PJ. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. This is PJ, and again, thanks for checking us out this week, giving us some time. Hopefully, you were successful in Week Six. If not, here we go. Week 7 just right around the corner. We'll improve that record for you. We'll try our best at least. Jerry Donabedi and Rotowire.com going to join us in just a couple minutes. Again, you can always follow the show on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Going to start out with some very interesting facts here from the league. In fact, uh, overall, do you think the games have been closer this year? Well, if you are thinking that, you are correct because this is the most competitive contest ever to start a season. Uh, No other season like this through six weeks has produced more games decided by seven or fewer points than in 2019. So far, 51 of 92 games, that's 55.4%, have been decided by seven or fewer points, including nine of 14 games just last week. The season's also tied for the most one-point games through week six since the 1970 merger. In fact, 2019 and all so far, games decided by seven or fewer points has been 51 games. That's an all-time record. So games are tighter this year. So if you were thinking of that, yeah, the fantasy game going down to the wire in a lot of these games. So those situations uh, put to test as well, some of those players, because if they're blowouts, sometimes the other team's got to pass a lot, and that can actually help you a little bit more in the fantasy game if you got that guy that's on the blowout team and they're throwing the ball. <laughs> that's helping you out, win some fantasy games. But with these close games, uh, that's indicating that's not quite happening as much as it has been in years past. Up next, going to talk about rushing touchdowns those stats are up as well this year we always put the emphasis on running backs in fantasy game and this is kind of the reason why in fact it's paying dividends this year in supporting those facts nfl clubs have combined for 167 rushing touchdowns through six weeks of play only the 1979 and 1976 seasons had more in nfl history entering week seven Now, just at the quarterback position alone, NFL signal callers have rushed for 31 touchdowns during this season, surpassing 2002's 28 for the most rushing touchdowns by quarterbacks through the six weeks of the season. And in week six, quarterbacks totaled 10 rushing touchdowns just last week. That's surpassing week 13 of the 2015 season for the most in a single week since 1970. So again, rushing touchdowns, they are up as well. And again, supporting the case, that's why we draft those running backs and those positions first. Okay, so the Falcons, they are not off to a great start. They're 1-5. and five. But Matt Ryan, getting buried in all this, for us fantasy geeks, Matt Ryan is having a heck of a season. Uh, so far, in his first six games of the season, 15 touchdown passes leads the league. 2,011 yards passing as well leads the league. So if Ryan, who passed for 300 yards in each of his first six games so far this season, if he gets 300 passing yards on Sunday, he's going to be the first player with at least 300 passing yards in each of his team's first seven games of an NFL season ever. Yes, so he has a chance to break that record if he goes for 300 yards against the Rams, which it could. I know Jalen Ramsey's just been added to that team and that defense, but again, they have some trouble in that secondary, so... Matty Ice has got a chance to have seven 300-yard games to start an NFL season. That would be an all-time record. So despite the 1-5 and five start for the Falcons, fantasy-wise, again, Matt Ryan continues to prove he is always a viable option at quarterback. We're going to talk about this a little bit with Jerry Donabedi in this matchup between Arizona rookie quarterback Kyler Murray and the Giants rookie quarterback Daniel Jones. Okay, so again, the number one overall selection in the draft, the number six overall selection in the draft, 
basically the first two quarterbacks taken in the draft, they're facing each other. So what does this mean historically? Well, some of the numbers not so great passing-wise. However, back in 2012, when Andrew Luck met up with Ryan Tannehill, those were the first two quarterbacks in that draft. They combined for 723 passing yards, so they were throwing it all over the place. In fact, Luck threw it for 433 yards in that game. So again, uh, they have a chance to break that record for most combined passing yards in a matchup featuring the two starting rookie quarterbacks. And again, we'll talk about that a little bit later on with Jerry Donabedian. New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley, again, the number two overall selection last year's draft. I mean, he just continues. Now, it sounds like he's going to be back on the field, but when he's on that field, he's always making things happen. And, you know, he's got 15 games with at least 100 scrimmage yards, the most in the NFL since entering the league. He's appearing in his 20th game this Sunday, so if he gets 100 scrimmage yards, he's going to tie Edron James for the most games with at least 100 scrimmage yards through a player's first 20 career games. It would be his 16th game if he can get those 100 yards against Arizona, which is a very good bet this Sunday. And again, he'd be chied up there with Edron James. I mean, that's quite the record for his first 20 games. And we'll stop... And we'll end with this note. Now, Terry McLaurin, the Washington wide receiver, I think he's like one of the lone bright spots right now on that Redskins football team. He leads all rookies with receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns so far in 2019. And he's recorded at least 50 receiving yards in each of his first five career games. With at least 50 receiving yards on Sunday against the 49ers, McLaurin would join Errol McCulloch, as the only players to have 50 receiving yards in each of their first six career games in NFL history. And I know we're like, well, 50 receiving yards, that's only five points. Or if you're on the 15-point scale, that's only like three and a half. But, I mean, it's still something that's going to help you out. And it is encouraging because, you know, rookie wide receivers, they're not all Randy Moss and Julio Jones and, and Calvin Johnson in their first year. They're not. And it is encouraging to see in this system that's all shaken up now because Jay Gruden's gone, that Terry McLaurin is actually still putting up some decent numbers and progressing and getting better. And, you know, if he gets a solid quarterback play here, despite we don't know who the quarterback is, you know, Haskins and Keenum, they're going back and forth on that decision. But, again, McLaurin, it is a bright spot there. So, you McLaurin owners, hang in there. Don't drop him just because of the changes are going on. He is putting up some consistent numbers. Now, joining PJ, the Fantasy Football Zone, Rotowire's Jerry Donavidian. And once again, Fantasy Football Zone, joined by Jerry Donavidian, rotowire.com. Jerry, great to have you back in here this week. And we'll start off in New York with the Jets. Again, Sam Darnold, I'm sold on him. You kind of been on his bandwagon, I'd say. But now after that performance against the Cowboys uh, last Sunday, I believe he makes a difference in this Jets offense, and we saw it. Yeah, he looked kind of picked up where he left off last season. Makes us wonder because he, you know, he really struggled against Buffalo in Week One. Whether maybe he was still dealing, you know, kind of yeah. dealing with the effects of the mono that was diagnosed the week after, uh, or maybe just playing the Bills. A lot of quarterbacks have looked like they've had mono against the Bills this year. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's the thing. But they came out, and now his receivers are relevant again in Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing what the uh, the difference between Luke Falk and uh, Sam Darnold will do for you. Like even if. <laughs> Even if Darnold, uh, you know, isn't a great quarterback or he's, you know, maybe he will be one day, but he's still still working to get there. Uh, it's, it's obviously a huge upgrade from before where they had this guy who really maybe just didn't even belong in the NFL as a backup at all. It just looked totally overwhelmed. So, yeah, I think uh, 
We've got Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, maybe even Chris Herndon in a week or two here, uh, putting some life into them again. And, and that's the thing with those two. Uh, a lot of them are available. I mean, after waiver wires processed, I'm sure some have been picked up, but I'm still a lot of leagues. Those guys have been out there. Yeah, I was shocked to see the percentages of, like, Jamison Crowder, I think, on Yahoo and ESPN was available in over half of leagues and Robbie Anderson. Not quite that much, but still available in a lot of leagues. Uh, I kind of I thought people would be patient because they knew that like the, you know Darnold was coming back, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we know that Adam Gaze loves throwing the ball a million times to his slot receivers, and we saw which is good for Crowder, and we saw last year what Robbie Anderson did when Sam Darnold started to make progress. Like he's one of the a top ten receiver in the league during December, but. I, you know, I guess you wait a week or two and you see them putting up, you know, one catch for seven yards with yeah. Luke Falk, and you're like, eh, I'm going to take take a shot on a rookie or something like that. Uh, but yeah, anyone anyone who's been stashing Anderson or Crowder on their bench, uh, definitely feeling good about it right now. Up next, we'll uh, move over to the Packers. Uh, injuries uh, again to Devontae Adams. It sounds like the talk around is that uh, they might hold him out for this game and get him ready for the big Sunday night or against the Chiefs next week. So you got that. Geronimo Allison still his uh, you know his condition up in the air after that big hit on Monday night. So then insert a little well well known uh, receiver, Alan Lazard. And man, he's been talking a lot on Twitter. He's like, you haven't seen anything yet, and he's ready to go. I know a lot of people have been grabbing him on waiver wires. What do you think of this uh, situation in Green Bay? I actually really liked him as a prospect a couple of years ago. Uh, I think out of uh, Iowa State, he put up put up huge numbers there, and he actually played with Team Butler, who the Cardinals drafted this year. And Lazard was the number one guy ahead of Butler. But I think, you know, once you see someone goes undrafted and they take a couple of years to catch on, mm-hmm. then they're, you know, the sixth-string guy in Green Bay. I think my, my optimism had waned. So I guess I was pleasantly surprised to see, like, Alan Lazard, uh, you know, relevant again <laughs> for a brief moment. But uh, he's not, not someone I would really be counting on for production. Uh, I don't – I right now I don't really know what to make of that Green Bay wide receiver group because – it looks it looks like Adam Adam just hasn't sounded optimistic about the injury. Like any time that he's talked to media, he's kind of been like, "Well, uh, you know, it's kind of getting better, but uh, not really." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Allison, based on that hit, yeah, doesn't. You would think he'll miss at least one game. Although, who knows with concussions? You know, sometimes guys are out for the season. Sometimes they're back four days later. Yeah. And then on top of that, Valdez Scantling actually like he finished out the game. But he left and missed like a little bit of the game with what looked like a leg or knee injury uh, against the Lions on Monday. So we'll have to see if that has any ramifications uh, in terms of like his practice availability this week. So yeah, it's really it's really a mess. I mean, Jake Kumro is like the only guy who is healthy, and we've seen him play a lot and do nothing with it the last couple of weeks. Uh, Darius Shepard's healthy too, but I don't think he'll be getting a lot of playing time. Yeah. <laughs> After that drop turned interception on Monday, that was like one of the all-time flaws uh, mm-hmm. of the season. It's not in the Packers' interest to deal for anyone that you don't like giving up draft picks at all. But trade deadline just a couple weeks away. I know you're going to have Adams. You think back at some point, but I mean it's starting to get a little thin on that wide receiver front. Yeah, I mean we've seen teams in general in the NFL. Uh, certainly this week uh, with you know Ramsey and Peters, yep. the cornerbacks getting traded. We've seen teams more willing to deal, uh, and we saw the Packers go out in free agency, which is something they hadn't done in years, mm-hmm. and go and sign three like expensive 
big-name players, all of whom have actually worked out quite well for them so far, uh, which does put them in this position where they're weak at wide receiver. But when you look at you know Rodgers playing like Rodgers again, the defense is the best it's been in years. It would, it would kind of be a shame to waste it because you don't have any wide receivers. So I wonder if you know maybe maybe they give up a young defensive player who's not playing a lot, maybe a middle round pick. I don't think you're going to see them trade like a first or second round pick for receiver help by any means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know maybe you look into Emmanuel Sanders if the Broncos lose this Thursday game coming up and drop to two and five. Maybe you look into AJ Green, although he kind of said he doesn't want to go anywhere besides Cincinnati. But there's a few options there that I think that they'd be smart to at least put a call in. I mentioned a name around the office here, and it got eyebrows, but I'm saying, well, if everything checks out from the league, uh, Antonio Brown, I don't know if he still likes going to college or not at Central Michigan. Uh, I know he's a head case, but at, at this point, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, that one's hard because I think if, yeah. you're just talking about, if you're just talking about on-field ability, sure. But I think as long as whatever is going on with him in terms of, I mean, both like the legal situation and just kind of whatever is going on with him, yeah. like mentally or his motivation to play football, or and now it seems like he does want to play, but maybe only under like very specific circumstances, like Oakland wasn't working for him. Yeah, I, I don't think that would be the Packers' first choice. No. But uh, in, in terms of talent, it would be their first choice. I know. I mean, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, if, if all the off-field stuff checks out, and I, it's not the Packers' MO to sign trouble guys, I, I just, but I'm just saying, if they were to make that move and put him on that team, if he can get him on the field, checked in for the rest of the season, I mean, that'd be a pretty good receiving core if they get them all healthy with Adams and Brown. Yeah, that would be Aaron Rodgers playing with Devontae Adams and Antonio Brown at the same time is, is scary, for, uh, <laughs> scary for every other team in the NFC. Yeah, I think I think there's too many too many ifs involved with Antonio Brown. It's it's a, it's a long list of things yes. you have to do to you know get him on the field and sign him in the first place and then keep him there. And it's still I think there's still an NFL is still investigating whatever's mm-hmm. going on with him and possible legal consequences too. So it's maybe all that gets cleared up though fast. You know we don't really know the details mm-hmm. of what's going on and the Patriots caught him because of that legal yep. situation. So if that gets cleared up, maybe he's back in a couple. Yeah. That's my Madden uh, GM role there, so I'm just <laughs> yeah. Putting yeah, that he's still great on Madden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's still fast. He's still got good hands. Yeah, we got uh, the Rams backfield situation going on now. So Gurley, he sat out last week. Uh, I mean, it was uh, not so much of a split, but there's a lot of pieces going on there, and none really did anything last week, unless you had Robert Woods. He scored the rushing touchdown. So, what do we make of that situation? Yeah, that's a that's a mess, and I think regardless of who is back there, with the way the offensive line is playing, uh, it's going to be going to be tough to put up big numbers. We saw Gurley with you know get some kind of cheap short touchdowns the week before in Seattle, the game where he suffered that injury. Actually, yeah, I don't. I mean, I think it's almost just you know it's crazy to say this because of how much value that backfield has provided in recent years under McVay. But right now, I'm just not really excited about any piece of it. Uh, even if Gurley does come back to play this week, you wonder if Brown might get some work. Henderson actually is the one who's looked the fastest and most explosive in what limited action he's gotten. He's the young body there. He's the, you know, the, the speed guy, the breakaway threat. 
So, yeah, I just, I'm not quite sure how they'll handle it. Uh, but I think regardless of how they do, the offensive line is the, the real issue there, more so than like Gurley or Brown. Fantasy Football Zone once again being joined by Jerry Donabedian, rotowire.com. And, Jerry, I'm going to hit on it now. A lot of people talking about it, replay, and the lack of calls for pass interference and other penalties as well. I thought when we made this change in the offseason that fantasy scoring was going to go way up and it would impact the fantasy game a lot more. But, uh, obviously, that's not been the case so far. What are your thoughts on this system so far? Uh, the way I see it is it's a good thing they did this as a one-year trial. Yeah. It's- seems pretty clear that I don't know if the refs have been directly instructed or not, but basically to only call this pass interference on the review if it's incredibly flagrant. Basically what happened in the NFC Championship game last year. Yeah. Basically you're like, hey, if, if it's like that, if the guy literally tackles him before the ball gets there to the ground, then you can call it, but otherwise don't. But that fact isn't stopping coaches from throwing the flag, so we're getting a way higher rate of challenges per game is making games take even longer in addition to all the commercial breaks that we already had that already get on everyone's nerves. So, yeah, I think it's just been like a total failure. Uh, I'm, but at the same time, I'm, I am, I guess it's better this than having them, you know, call everything as pass interference. Like if every time they're going to review it, they come back with pass interference, you do get into it just being too easy for the offense. All they have to do is like throw up a deep ball and they're going to get the call every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think we'll, I think we won't see this instituted on a permanent basis. It'll just be one year trial and then done. Yeah. Cause when they first were talking about this, I'm like every Hal Mary place going to get you. I'm like, how many yeah. games are going to yeah. get affected by that? But uh, yeah, they, they haven't overturned anything egregious, but it's, is the same point. It's not really affecting uh, fantasy football uh, to this point uh, that I, you know, coming to the season, I thought it might have, but uh, so far. Yeah. It's, it all it's doing is wasting people's time. It's not yeah. really impact. <laughs> That's the only impact it's having. Yeah, it is. Like you said, game flow is getting bogged down too. I, I that, that is a factor too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's already, I mean, you know, you have like when you have the, the commercial before the kickoff and then after the, you know, after a quick pun or end of the quarter. And then, yeah, then you've got challenges where it's like, I think at some point what we'll see though is that coaches will stop challenging it, right? They have to, all the fans get the idea that it's not going to be overturned. Mm-hmm. Like unless it's a game deciding play in the fourth quarter, like I think coaches will stop challenging those, you know, pass interference on a 12 yard throw in the second quarter <laughs> type plays. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. So we're up now to the week six hidden stat line. Again, you've uh, watched all the games. You broke them all down. What were some of the things hidden that we might not have noticed in week six? Well, one thing that I maybe people did actually notice, but it kind of just confirms the observation, uh, was that Hunter Henry, in addition to putting up that big stat line, he was on the field pretty much every time the Chargers were passing. They did take him off a little bit on running plays. Uh, but that's the same thing we had seen basically back in week one, the game where he suffered that knee injury that kept him out for a while. Uh, and in terms of his routes run per game, the only he's at 34 per game in his two games. The only guys ahead of him are Travis Kelsey, Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper, and Zach Ertz, which is like, you know, those are like the, yep. the top of the class, valedictorian tight ends. Uh, so, if, you know, if anyone's like on the fence about, whether Hunter Henry, if he stays healthy, is worth starting, I would I would say absolutely. Like I would I mean I'll be I'll be starting him this week where I have him and I think he's uh maybe not maybe not quite with those guys that I just mentioned, uh, but he's sort of right in that next next class down at tight end, maybe with like Mark Andrews and Darren Waller where you're still 
still pretty confident starting him. What else did you find in the Week 6 hidden stat line? Another thing that I, I'm not quite sure the fantasy implications, but I found it interesting is just the past two weeks, Cliff Kingsbury has drastically cut down on those four wide receiver formations that he's known for. Okay, They were averaging about 35 snaps per game over the first four weeks out of those formations, and they've cut it down to about 10 to 15 per game the past two weeks. Uh, and, you, you know, you may have noticed the past two weeks, they, another big thing that changed was that the Cardinals won their games. Yeah. Uh, so you, <laughs> when you see that correlation, it's probably a trend that is going to continue. Uh, and so I think we're looking at this coming into the season, we're like, man, maybe this Cardinals team, even if they're bad, they can support like three fantasy viable wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk got off to fast starts, but really they haven't had like a receiver go over 75 yards since week two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe Fitzgerald got barely over one week. Uh, but yeah, it's really, it's looking like really the tight ends are getting involved a tiny bit uh, and they're spreading the targets out and snaps out to five or six receivers. So really right now, David Johnson is like the only guy we can trust for fantasy from that office, offense, along with Kyler Murray, of course. Uh, so kind of an interesting situation there where the quarterback is really thriving but the wide receivers have kind of been quiet or at least uh, been more of a group effort than like a true number one type situation. And Jerry, I've also noticed that Kyler Murray's rushing stats, uh, they've improved the last couple of weeks during this change. Yeah, yeah, they've been, and it hasn't been scrambles either. Like his, uh, his number of scrambles, I think, is not even top five in the league on scrambles on designed pass plays. It's all been like design, you know, designed run stuff in the uh, – like intentional runs or uh, read options with him and uh, David Johnson. And same with Lamar Jackson, actually. He scrambled a little more, but, like, their rate of uh, scrambles from design pass plays is not that high. It's really, like, what the the offensive coordinators are doing to intentionally run them with the ball. Yeah, and your Ravens, I see this on the league notes. Uh, I mean, they're on pace right now to set the all-time rushing record as a team. (laughs) If uh, they keep on doing this, they're going to break the record uh, that was held by the Patriots back in 1978 if they – they're on pace to run for over uh, 3,200 yards this year as a team. Yeah, I mean, when your quarterback gives you 80 rushing yards per game, you'll end, up with, you'll end up with 200. <laughs> I think the only thing that can stand in the Ravens' way of doing that is the defense. Like, if the defense is remains inconsistent, there's going to be some weeks, possibly including this week in Seattle. Uh, we're forced to get away from that running game, and they need to use Jackson as you know, more of a pocket passer to try to move the ball downfield quicker but i mean yeah you know they're still going to get some of those afc north matchups it's such a weak division you know you're playing the Bengals or the browns you're gonna have a good chance to to run the ball a lot so yeah i think uh i don't know about quite getting to the record but definitely i would expect the most rushing guys we've seen from a team in like the this uh past happy era of the nfl and again we're talking with jerry donabedian rotowire.com again you can check out the week six hidden stat line that's available now and let's get into some of those week seven matchups you like we'll start out running back uh who do you like so far this week uh, going into it so i'm gonna start with a thursday game here uh someone who's really been like very mediocre hasn't had a big game yet royce freeman going up this week he's at home against the chiefs I know Philip Lindsay has been the touchdown scorer there, but in terms of the overall workload, it's been almost exactly 50-50, and we've actually seen over the last few weeks Freeman getting more of the playing time in passing situations and getting a few more targets. Uh, so, you know, you look at look at the Chiefs and the way they've really struggled to stop the run going back to last season. Just the past few weeks, we've seen some, some big-bodied running backs, Mark Ingram, Carlos Hyde, uh, bust off huge games against them. 
So I think that the I think the Broncos are going to try to get the inside running game going with Freeman a little more. Uh, and you know, if that doesn't work, I think they'll still be able to use Freeman in the passing game. So I know uh, you know Philip Lindsay is always going to be the better bet for a touchdown, but I think Royce Freeman will, in terms of like yardage, is going to have his best game so far this season. And another running back you're looking at this week. Well, we've got here. We've got uh, the easy, easy picking uh, Frank Gore going up against the Dolphins. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, a home game against the Dolphins. You look at what the Buffalo defense has done this year, being dominant. Uh, the Bills are just going to be in a position to just run the ball over and over again. And I know with Devin Singletary probably coming back from the hamstring injury, I think a lot of Frank Gore owners are going to be hesitant to put them in their lineup. Uh, but like, well, look, what I'm saying is like, there's there's enough room for everyone to eat when you're you're at home against yes. the Dolphins and you've got a good defense. Like, there's Josh Allen can get his carries, Frank Gore can get his carries, sprinkle Singletary in. Uh, I'll draw the line at TJ Yeldon. I don't think that we've got to have a line somewhere. There's only so many plays in the game. But uh, yeah, I think I think Gore and. Uh, You'll probably hear it if you if you have the misfortune of watching this game. You'll probably hear it twenty times on the broadcast. But uh, Frank Gore and the Dolphins head coach Brian Flores actually played against each other in college. Oh, okay. that's like your fun fact for the week. Oh, did Frank Gore play at the U? He did. Did he know? really? Wow, I wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm sure that will be mentioned a million times as well. So. <laughs> Look for that uh, great insight on the weekend broadcast. Uh, wide receivers, who are you looking at this week? I really like a guy who I liked last week and was wrong on, uh, DJ Chark for the Jaguars. Uh, you know, he get, came up a little bit short against the Saints, struggled against Marshawn Lattimore, their top cornerback. Uh, this week, I think we're really going to see a bounce-back spot for the entire Jacksonville offense. They're going into Cincinnati. Uh, and the Bengals have, you know, we've talked about them, I think, every week this season as whoever is playing running back being a good play. Yes. Uh, but, it, you know, people are, Leonard Fournette, there's no point even talking about it. We know he's a good play every week. He gets mm-hmm. a million touches. But look at, looking at this week, the Bengals in that game against the Ravens last week lost both their starting cornerbacks, Jake Fitzpatrick and William Jackson, uh, who might have been the only good part of their terrible defense. Both of them suffered multi-week injuries. Uh, so now the Bengals are going to be coming in with addition to all their normal problems at every other position. Uh, they don't have any cornerbacks anymore. Uh, so I think you're going to see, you know, the Jaguars be able to take advantage of that matchup as well as the running game uh, and really, you know, come out and kind of put a beating on the Bengals. Is there another wide receiver matchup you're really liking this week? Yeah, I'd like to stay hot. Uh, and I think maybe with the Jalen Ramsey trade, people will be a little scared away from Calvin Ridley and the Falcons. Uh, but I think, you know, Ramsey, first of all, we aren't sure that he's ready to play. It, there's kind of been some speculation that he just made the back injury up because he was sick of playing for the Jaguars. Probably, yeah. But we're not 100% sure. Uh, and even if he does play, the Rams traded away Marcus Peters, and Akeem Talib just got sent to injured reserve. So they're kind of a cornerback short. Uh, you know, obviously Jalen Ramsey is a huge difference maker. Mm-hmm. But if they do decide to match up individually with the receivers, you would think you put Ramsey on Julio Jones. Yeah. You know, that, guy's, that guy's a decent player. Might want to try yeah. to put your best corner on him. Yeah, you might. Uh, and, then, and then they've got their flat corner, Nikhil Roby Coleman, who's really good. Also the guy who uh, inspired that pass interference rule that we were talking about. Yep. Uh, and he'll probably be on some new in the slot. That kind of leaves Ridley as the guy who isn't accounted for. He'll probably match up with Troy Hill, who hasn't seen much playing time. Uh, this season, he got torched last year when Tlaib was out with his first injury. Yeah, I think I think Ridley. Maybe people are already kind of 
starting to build confidence in him anyway. And I would, you know, I would say to continue to keep that rolling this week. I think he'll really be able to feast on that secondary. Who's a quarterback you like uh, their matchup this week? Well, I like I like both guys in the uh, the Giants Cardinals game. I mm-hmm. think Kyler Murray at this point, if you got him, unless you like also got Pat Mahomes and or Deshaun Watson, you're probably starting Murray at this point. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for people who are a little more on that like quarterback streaming radar or like struggled at the position. Uh, Daniel Jones this week looks like he's going to get Evan Ingram back, possibly Saquon Barkley, maybe even Sterling Shepard, uh, and suddenly goes from like last week he was playing with nothing around him to this week one of possibly one of the better group of weapons in the league, uh, and and more important even than what's around him is what he's what he's facing. A Cardinals defense has given up the most points in the league, fantasy points to quarterbacks. 16 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So I think we can uh, we can expect a shootout in that. Game. Yes, and that's the thing too with Jones. You got to think about that. The the big game he had in his first official start, he had Barkley for a little bit in that game, but they they really haven't played a full game together. So if he has that aspect going with him, along with maybe a healthy Shepard out there as well, uh, yeah, and Ingram as well, that that bodes well for him this week. Yeah, they haven't. They've got some good pieces there, but they haven't. Yeah. They haven't had any games yeah. where they had, like, all of them. They haven't even made it with between Shepard, Ingram, Barkley, and Tate. They haven't even had more than two of them in a game, except for week one. They had three of them, but they had Eli Manning at quarterback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones, this could be the first time he's got a full complement uh, here coming forward, so it could be good things for him this week. Uh Tight ends this week. Uh, who are you looking at? So we talked about those Packers injuries earlier at wide receiver. And at the point where we're talking about Jake Kumro, Darius Shepard, and Alan Lazard, uh, my thinking is kind of like, well, maybe you can just get Jimmy Graham more involved again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's the wishful I know, thinking. I know he's not anything close to the Jimmy Graham of years past. It's almost like painful watching him run and thinking how fast he was three or four years ago. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's an experienced guy. He's a healthy body. Uh, and he's playing an Oakland defense that struggled to cover tight ends this year, giving up three touchdowns already and about 60 yards per game. Uh, and really an Oakland defense that's just struggled against pass in general while being solid against the run. So I do think it's going to be a game we're maybe going to see Rodgers, you know, throwing the ball a little more at least early in the game. Uh, and yeah, I think with the receiver injuries, it's kind of, I think we're going to see Jamal Williams involved again in the passing game. I know Aaron Jones had some issues there this past week, but I think they'll try to get him involved in the passing games and Jimmy Graham and, you know, Matt LaFleur does have some experience in Tennessee. They kind of built their passing game around the tight end, Delaney Walker uh, and Deion Lewis, the running back. The, the results there weren't good, but he does have some experience doing it. And we've seen him, with the injuries they've dealt with this year, seeing before being surprisingly adaptable. Like I didn't, I, I didn't have the highest opinion of him. I'll be honest, but uh, it's definitely definitely gone up the past few weeks, seeing how he's adjusted to injuries and kept the offense running. And, and we'll head over to defenses, and we've talked about the trades uh, again. Uh, Peter's going over to Baltimore, and now with Jalen Ramsey in LA. Those are the big cornerback trades uh, this week. You know that LA defense most people have, Baltimore defense. Uh, that, that uh, I'm sure that's a peer streaming defense, especially like we mentioned, some weaker matchups coming up against the you know the AFC North. You never know. But uh, who are who do you like this week streaming wise? Yeah, so my I mean my first choice this week uh, was actually what I did personally in my leagues was I had stashed the Bills mm-hmm. uh, at the end of my bench, knowing that they were you know after people dropped them when they were on by last week, I knew they were coming back to face Miami. 
uh, which I have that luxury because my benches are so bad that I was like, (laughs) I think people are hesitant to drop a a bench guy for an extra defense, but like, you know, when it's Devontae Parker, it's like, hell go for it. (laughs) Not, not, not losing much there. So uh, I did that, and also I think the 49ers were another team people did that with. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for, like, fallback options, uh, you know, the team that isn't owned in a ton of leagues that I think should be in for a really good week is the Saints defense going to Chicago, uh, coming off a huge game against the Jaguars. And really, they, in three straight weeks now, we've seen the Saints shut down Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, and then Gardner Minshew. Uh, and now they're going to be facing either Mitchell Trubisky coming off a shoulder injury or Chase Daniel. I'm, I'm not still not really sure which of those is worse. Uh, <laughs> I think last week I thought Mitchell Trubisky was worse, and then I saw Chase Daniel play, yeah. and I'm like, eh, I think Chase Daniel's worse. <laughs> so probably whichever you know they say the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in town might be the case in Chicago this season every week, regardless of which guy is starting. Yeah. That always seems to be the case in Chicago. Well, we'll wrap it up once again with Jerry Donabedian, rotowire.com. Jerry, again, you got some great information out there. What are some of those columns you got out right now at rotowire.com? Start, sit, matchups column comes out every Thursday morning on rotowire. And then, yeah, the streaming defenses column is already up there on rotowire. So, yeah, some some other picks there in addition to ones we just talked about, but a little bit, a little bit weaker of a week. Well, Jerry, again, thank you very much for your time. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Good talking to you, PJ. Again, big thanks, Jerry Donabedian, rotowire.com, helping us get ready for week seven. A lot of great matchups on there. We wish you best of luck this week. And again, thanks for checking us out, Fantasy Football Zone. You can always follow us on Twitter at Draft That Guy. We could always use a review as well, wherever you get your downloads from. If you want to give us five, that's great. If you want to give us one, Screw up. I'm kidding. That's fine. So, again, thanks for spending some time with us this week here at Fantasy Football Zone. This is PJ. Have a great week. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.